The trucking industry is crazy right now and being a broker can be stressful. Managing your invoices, billing, collecting, carrier base, and cash flow can feel like an impossible task. But I can tell you, OTR Solutions has figured out the impossible. They eliminate cash flow problems for carrier payments and ensure margin funding in just 24 hours with broker invoice factoring. OTR Solutions takes care of billing and collection processes with your shippers. And with lightning quick and accurate invoicing, your customers will never need another broker to handle their freight needs. Kick back, relax, and let OTR take care of your brokerage. If you want to know more, and I hope you do, check them out at otrsolutions.com slash freight hyphen caviar to see what they can do for your business. Or give them a call. They love to talk to brokers at 770-882-0124. We've partnered with Ascend TMS, the world's most popular and top-rated transportation management system. It's the ultimate tool for all your freight needs. You can use our referral code RA-FreightCaviar! to receive three months of Ascend TMS for free. It only takes 20 seconds to sign up and no credit card is required. You can click the link below to learn more. Thanks everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Freight Caviar Podcast. Today's guest is Dennis Brown. Dennis has a very popular YouTube page uh, for freight brokers. I think the most popular freight broker page. Uh, I'm really excited to talk to Dennis. Uh, so Dennis, if you could just introduce yourself to the audience and tell us how you got into entrepreneurship and the freight broker world. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, so I've been an entrepreneur for about over 25 years, born and bred in the Buffalo, New York area. Like most startup entrepreneurs, I failed miserably at the beginning and finally got some traction. Uh, One thing led to another. 2003, I started a freight brokerage. I had no experience, didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I had an idea. I had a thought uh, to leverage technology. I had been coming out of a technology background with a company, a software company that we'd done during the dot-com era and, uh, launched the brokerage. And we were fortunate. The company grew very fast, a million, 3 million, 6 million, 12 million, 18 million. Eventually I grew the company to about $80 million in sales and sold it. Um, oh. and that company still exists today. They, uh, they do a great business. They're doing over half a billion dollars a year in sales. And I'm happy to say it's got the same management team, same structure, same business plan as as I uh, as I left it with. So, uh, been very blessed there along the way. Back in 2009, I launched a program called Freight Broker Bootcamp, and it was designed as an online educational platform for people that were interested in getting into the industry. And the reason why I did that was because I had hundreds of people asking me to teach them and help them get started, and I was running my brokerage. I didn't have time. So I launched Freight Broker Bootcamp, and since then, we've trained over 10,000 students to help them become either freight brokers or freight agents, learn the ropes, learn the, you know, kind of the lingo and the inside scoop on how to become a freight broker from A to Z. So that brings me up to up to date after selling the brokerage. I started spending a lot of time more on the educational side, and I'm having a lot of fun doing it. Wow, that's an amazing story. So. Uh, Go ahead, Bob. So Dennis, right now you're doing just strictly um, the boot camp. You you don't really broker loads right now, right? Yourself? No, no. I sold the brokerage in 2016, pivoted out of that. I uh, wanted to spend a lot more time with my family. I got two young daughters, uh, one's 17, one's 14 now. And so mm-hmm. the educational business, the online education business gives me a lot more freedom, gives me a lot more flexibility, been able to spend the last, you know, uh, seven years at home with my kids and with my family. And so, you know, that was important to me. I mean, I, in, early in my career, like most entrepreneurs, I had tunnel vision and I, yeah, I, I put my head down and went real hard and, 
probably didn't spend as much time as I should have doing the, some of the right things, but uh, I guess in a way I've been able to try to make up for some of that um, in the last seven years with all the time I've been in from home. So, and I have a lot of fun with the education business. I've always had a, I've always had a <clears throat> kind of a passion for internet marketing and online marketing. So it really kind of fulfilled that itch. Oh, wow. That's awesome. If you don't mind uh, telling us who, who did you end up selling the brokerage to? Uh, I had some investors in the business uh, when I started the company. And so uh -huh. I ended up, they ended up just buying me out. So we ended up just okay. selling it to them. So it was a private sale to existing investors. Since then they've sold, the company has sold at least once or twice more. Oh, okay. Oh, nice. So yeah, I was kind of like curious how that works. Cause for me, it's, it's interesting to see like how, uh, you know, how to build up a business and then just sell it, sell it off to somebody. And I'm just kind of curious how, how, how that works or how that process works. But yeah. Yeah. So the sale of a business, you know, whether it's a brokerage or whatever business it is, really the key to selling a business and maximizing the value is try to prepare way in advance, right? You know, mm -hmm. try to, if you want to sell your business, don't think about selling it in the next 30, 60, 90 days, or even six months. Think about, yeah. hey, am I going to sell the business three years down the road? And one of the most, couple of the most important components to that are one, having really strong audited financials, you know, the financials that, you know, that somebody can trust when they look at your business, you know, because that's the devil's in the details when you're looking at the financials. And then yeah. the other key, depending on the size of the business that you are, you know, depending upon what type of role you, the owner, play, right? So uh -huh. buyers don't want to be too reliant on an owner that controls too much to the revenue. Right. Uh, right. Or so like if you control, and I'm guessing, right? They yeah. If you some, don't have some... a team, if you control too much of the revenue, you know, I knew going into the business that my goal was to eventually sell it. I didn't have this dream of spending, you know, waking up at 70 years old and running a brokerage. I mean, I love the industry, but, you know, I'm kind of a serial entrepreneur. I've owned multiple different businesses. I've been very blessed. So, you know, I tried to keep those things in my, you know, in my rear, in my mirror, in my vision so that I could, you know, plan ahead so that when the time was right that, you know, that we could sell it. And how do you reach, do you reach out to somebody to buy it out or how do, how do you go about that? Like, how do you list the company for sale? Well, or, if you're, if you're looking to sell the business, a lot of times what will happen is you'll end up working with the business broker. Um, uh -huh. So you'll either, there's, there's two ways to do it, right? You can go direct to buyers that you know are out there trying to acquire in your space, uh, uh -huh. or you can work with a business broker. Business brokers, you know, they're they're kind of like a real estate broker for but for businesses, right? They know the inside okay. outs, they know how yeah. to list it, they know what the buyers are expecting. So it can expedite your learning curve a little bit. It's kind of like the difference between for sale by owner or selling it with a realtor. You know, there's advantages yeah. and disadvantages to both, but it's really the same sort of concept. So if you think about how you buy a house or a building, it's the same sort of concept. Most people go with a business broker because they don't know what to expect. And even though there's a commission there, it's probably worth it because again, you know, you make a mistake when you're selling your business, it can cost you millions of dollars. So it's worth a, it's worth a commission, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's interesting. So I'm curious, uh, Dennis, you started in the brokerage world in 2003 and 
you sold it in 2016. Did you have prior experience in the logistics industry before you got into the, like before you became a freight broker? And could you kind of tell us about, uh, I don't know, the first few years of the business and, you know, how, how it started growing and how you got traction? Yeah, I had no experience. I like to tell everybody, if you're listening to this right now, if you're listening to me right now, when I started in 2003, you probably know more about freight brokerage than I did when I first got started. Oh, wow. uh, I was as green as grass. Now, fortunately, I had some entrepreneurial experience. I had some sales experience. I had some marketing experience. So I had some of the skills and some of the tools, but I really didn't um, have any background in the trucking industry. I was that same guy driving down the throughway who was aggravated with all the trucks because they were always backed up and causing traffic jams, right? I didn't understand everything that went into trucking and logistics. And so when I got started, um, you know, the first year, <clears throat> you know, the first year we did uh, from startup, we did about 1.3 million in sales and we did 3.6 million and then 6 million. So we were growing pretty rapidly, although still a, a pretty small business from startup, we ramped up really quick. We were very aggressive in our outreach and sales efforts. And, um, and I learned a lot. I mean, like most people in, in a new business, you know, you learn a lot that first six to 12 months. And, you know, that's where the rubber kind of hits the road, as they say, right? You're either going to yeah. get some traction or you're not, you're going to enjoy it or you're not, you're going to, you know, you're going to make it or you're not in that first year, you know, you really need to weather that storm. But, you know, we, we, uh, we did pretty well. And then we just, you know, we figured out what was working and then we doubled down on that and just continued that kind of philosophy over and over again. And by the time I sold the company, we were doing about 80 million a year in sales. Wow. That's amazing. So I guess you, you also, uh, I know you mentioned that you did $200 million in sales as a freight broker uh, on LinkedIn, and now you're turned into being in, uh, educating others on the industry. Mm -hmm. What do you think like differentiates someone that, you know, is barely making any sales to someone that does the 80 million, $200 million in sales? Yeah. So just to clarify, the 200 million is cumulative as a yeah. broker over my career. It's 200 million. So we didn't do $200 million a year. The most we ever did was about 80 million. So yeah, we were very fortunate there. Uh, LinkedIn, uh, in about 2008, I joined LinkedIn. It was very early. I think at the time, they had less than 10 million users worldwide. Okay. So they were they were small, right? LinkedIn, for people that don't know, you know, is the, the world's largest professional social network, basically is what I would call it. Um, and so I started using LinkedIn to find and connect and engage with potential shippers because, you know, cold calling works, but it's hard, right? Cold calling's not yeah. easy, right? Um, and so I was always looking for a way to get an edge. I was always looking for a way to, you know, to, again, like I said, find and connect with new shippers in our niche. And so, you know, I went on there and, uh, I didn't know what the heck I was doing. Uh, I threw a whole bunch of mud up against the wall and, and a little bit stuck. And I developed a system, which is now what everybody calls social selling, right? And and LinkedIn marketing. And I used, a, I developed a LinkedIn system that I taught my team and we taught our agents, we taught everybody inside the company. And then we went on to leverage that to generate well over $20 million a year in annual recurring revenue over the next several years. Um, so it became a major platform for us, uh, LinkedIn. Um, 
so yeah, I'm I, I, maybe I missed part, but did, did I answer that question for you? Yeah, no, definitely. So, uh, you, oh, you did you, ask something about what differentiates. I'm yeah, sorry, so what differentiates? Like, yeah, back then, like I mean, to to go off of LinkedIn, uh, back in 20, uh, 2008, when there was ten million users, it was a much different experience. Yeah. It was probably a little bit easier because nowadays I, I I know that shippers all the time uh, get annoyed by the amount, the sheer amount of messages they get. So, like, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, can you tell us, like, maybe a little bit, like. What would differentiate someone now? Like, if you have a student in your class, what what are some tips to tell them? That, like, this is what you should do to like kind of stick out to the rest from the rest. Yeah. So it was. It's you know, there's there's pros and cons, right? It was easier and it was harder back in 2008. There wasn't a lot of users, right? Um, yeah. There wasn't a lot of usage. People weren't on there using it a lot, so it was kind of that unknown. Um, the tools weren't nearly as good. I promise you they were very rudimentary and fundamental back then. There wasn't the robust LinkedIn that you have now. Um, and so, yeah, there, but now it has evolved. I mean, you point to a really interesting, you know, topic, which is the fact that LinkedIn marketing, social selling, social media, it's all changed, right? It continues to evolve. So today, today, what differentiates people um, you know, the, the, the couple things that you really need to do on LinkedIn really well to, to, um, to be able to flourish in, you know, in 2023 and beyond is this number one, the fundamental, Hey, you've got to have a really strong optimized profile. And when I mean optimized, I don't mean search engine optimized. I don't mean conversion optimized. I, what I mean is, I mean, it needs to make the, the only goal of your LinkedIn profile is to make a good first impression with your niche, whoever your target market is, right? So you there's some fundamentals you got to cover there with a header image and your your you know your title and and you know your about section and adding some multimedia and you know there's some basic fundamentals. There's tons of information out there about how to optimize your LinkedIn profile. I mean I don't want to dive into that, but that's that's step number one. You gotta have a you gotta have a strong optimized profile. If you have some profile with a you know with some sort of a cut out image of you standing next to your car or, you know, or holding your daughter or, you know, you know, uh, your wedding picture or something crazy in there. I I don't think that's going to want to be the impression you're going to make. So optimizing the profile is real important, but the next step and the, the part where people struggle the most is with content creation, right? One of the ways to differentiate yourself, even though there are millions and millions and hundreds of millions of users on LinkedIn, there are very, very few users that are actually utilizing the platform to create content and to engage their audience at scale. So mm-hmm. content marketing on LinkedIn is extremely powerful if you do it and you do it consistently, whether that be posting memes like you guys like to create. Those probably go really crazy on LinkedIn and different social platforms. Um, microblogs, videos, doing lives. Creating content is one of the ways to generate a lot of inbound interest in conversations, you know, and to, to build awareness and trust at scale. So I think now these days, content is one of the differentiators. It's a big differentiator because there's yeah. not a lot of people doing it. And it allows you to position yourself in your niche as that expert or that resource or that trusted advisor, which is what really what what buyers want, right? They buyers don't like to talk to salespeople, but they love to talk to experts, right? If they think somebody's really smart, they'll be happy to talk to them. But if your business card or your or your or your profile says, 
salesperson, you know, it's like yeah. the plague, right? They want to avoid you like the plague. <laughs> huh. That's interesting. That's interesting that you said that about LinkedIn, because I barely sit on LinkedIn, but I definitely should get more on it. I know Paul is way more on LinkedIn than I am because I'm just on Instagram. Paul's all over LinkedIn. I see him there all the time. He's he's, yeah. he's yeah. publishing stuff all the time and he gets a lot of engagement. I mean, he does really yeah. well with LinkedIn. So yeah, I yeah. got to say, because I, I started off with Instagram on Freight Caviar on Instagram. And then I, I think after I surpassed 10,000 followers on Instagram, I decided to, to start posting on LinkedIn. And for a while, this is just talking about the Freight Caviar page on LinkedIn. I was getting a couple likes. I didn't have that many followers. And then I had a couple memes just blow up. Like you had like 6,000, 7,000 reactions. Like I think impression-wise, yeah. probably close to like half a million. And then it yeah. got some traction. And I have to say that my revenue for Freight Caviar Literally all of it is, I think, from LinkedIn, besides maybe like marginal like revenue from Instagram, people that message me on Instagram. So like it, LinkedIn has been remarkable for me to get revenue for free caviar, to actually make it a business. So it's it's been amazing. Yeah. Um, so I had to, and I, I think LinkedIn overall, all the tools it has, you can message so many people every day. Uh, so like we have a system where if you follow Freight Caviar on LinkedIn, you'll get a message saying, oh, thanks for following Freight Caviar. Would you be interested in subscribing to our newsletter? And whereas on like Instagram, that's pretty difficult to do because uh, they, they, I think they ban you after like block you after 50 messages or something. Whereas LinkedIn is pretty mm -hmm. easy going when it comes to that. So I 100% I agree. LinkedIn's great. Uh, so yeah, LinkedIn's a powerful tool because again, in especially especially if you're an entrepreneur and you're selling. I mean, if we're all entrepreneur, we're all salespeople, right? Mm -hmm. at, one, at one level yeah. or another. And so, you know, it's that old adage, right? In order to get a customer, they got to know, like, and trust you. The cool part about LinkedIn is that you can check each one of those boxes without ever actually having a conversation, without them ever having to leave the platform if you do a really good job. Now, of course, in order for them to buy from you, right? You're probably going to have to get on a phone call or a face-to-face -face meeting or something along that lines, depending upon the product that you're selling, especially brokerage, right? If you're selling brokerage. But but yeah, I mean, it gives you that platform to not only to tell a great story on why they can tr trust you, uh, it gives you a platform for them to find you, but you can also position yourself as an expert where there's that trust level there and you can differentiate yourself, right? I mean, I, I think it was Sally Hogshead that said it best. And I say this all the time. So people that follow me, I apologize if you've heard this a million times, different is better than better, right? So it's easier to be different than it is to be better, right? When you try to play the better game, right? Oh, I'm going to be better at technology and I'm going to be better at pricing and I'm going to be better at marketing and better at communications. That's tough, man. There's a lot of competitors yeah. out there. You can't be better than everybody at everything. It's really hard. I mean, it, you know, in a perfect world, it's a great goal, but it's it's not attainable. But being different is pretty easy. And on LinkedIn, being different is not that difficult, right? And yeah. so that separates you from the crowd. And that being separated from the crowd is what allows you to, you know, to flourish, especially in content marketing and social media. Yeah, I like fun. that. I never, I never heard of that, but that makes a lot of sense actually to be just yep. different and being better. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's. I'm a huge, I'm a huge advocate of that. I mean, I, I did not come up with that quote again. I think it was Sally Hogshead. Uh, I heard it in a speech years ago that she did, like a presentation at a at a uh, an event, and it just stuck uh -huh. with me. It just stuck with me, and I I, I use it all the uh -huh. time now. So. Sorry, Sally. So do you do you get a lot of um? So you, now that you have a, a platform where you're doing free broker 
boot camp? Do you have a yeah. lot of the students coming from uh, from LinkedIn? Is that where most of uh, your students come from, or how, how do no. you? I guess how do you get the students to come to your boot camp? Yeah, so so people find me predominantly through three channels, YouTube being probably number one. So YouTube, okay, yeah, YouTube is probably the number one discovery channel. People go to YouTube when they want to learn something, right? That's something. a natural. That's exactly tendency. what I do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No matter watch, what like, I want to learn, a video. Yeah, when I'm not hand, I'm not a handy guy. When I want to learn something as simple as how to change a doorknob or how to fix this or how to fix that, I always go to YouTube, right? So that's where I went. You know, a decade ago when I started doing yeah. video content. And so YouTube, that's probably the place where people discover me the most. Second is Google. We have a lot of content online. You know, I've had the business for over a decade. So Google likes us. So we get a lot of SEO content from people searching on Google. And then the third one is probably um, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is, you know, a distant third. But the nice thing about LinkedIn is that the quality of the people that are seeing my content, they're business people, right? They're people that are yeah. business minded, right? So yeah, those are probably the three biggest channels um, where people discover and hear about me and then lead into my boot camp. You know, if they if do they you have to a learn Facebook more. channel also or no? Yeah, I do have a Facebook page. Um, you know, and we we post to it regularly. So, you know, it probably it gets some traction. I think it has over 10 or maybe 10 or 15,000 followers on the Facebook page. But yeah, if anybody wanted to check it out, you could just Freight Broker Bootcamp, yeah. wherever, wherever you're at, just look for Freight Broker Bootcamp. Yeah, I heard that Facebook was really, really good for, for this kind of stuff too. Like if you ever wanted to sell, I mean, courses or whatever that, that you want to do that Facebook is a lot better than say Instagram or, you know, better than, than a lot of other pages. And just a lot of people don't utilize it. Like, I feel like I don't utilize it to my advantage because I'm just like sitting on Instagram and Instagram is more of just like, scrolling liking it and scrolling it can't really create yeah. a business i feel like yeah well you know the thing that i've been testing recently on facebook is reels facebook reels so mm -hmm. that has done pretty well you know taking you know kind of repurposing some of your existing content into reels so i do a lot of youtube content i do a freight broker training live every monday it's called the freight broker Bootcamp live every monday at noon and it's free it's 100 percent free and i stream it but then I take those videos and then I repurpose them, you know, places like Facebook Reels and YouTube Shorts and places like that. So, you know, content, you know, again, I practice what I preach, right? Content marketing, you know, it, it can be a great way to build an audience, build your authority, generate leads. But, you know, it, like anything else, people are people are afraid of what they don't completely understand and control. And so it prevents them. A lot, a lot more people now create content, obviously, but just not a lot on LinkedIn. I'm telling you, it's a very small percentage. If I had to yeah. guess, I, and, and you could probably figure, find this somewhere, I would bet you that less than 2% of all LinkedIn users create content on a weekly or even a monthly basis. Yeah. No, very just, small. Most people just scroll. And that, I think that translates to other social, yep. uh, other social media channels as well. But You're right. uh, to actually uh, pick your brain on that, this topic, just for example, Dennis, if you were to open up a freight brokerage right now, uh, what would you be focusing on in terms of like content, uh, the the social media channels? Where what would be like your like kind of like main focus, and how would you attack it to to land shippers? Yeah, so a couple things I would do right away. One, of, you know, the first thing you got to do is you got to put your website together. 
you know, you got to have a, you don't need to spend $5,000 putting together a website. You can put it, put together a website these days for hundreds of dollars, not thousands of dollars. And you can literally get it started. And the reason why I tell you you need to do that is because when you start doing sales outreach, one of the first things a buyer is going to do is they're going to try to vet you. They're going to try to find out, is this guy legit? Does he have a real business? Does he have any, you know, does he have any history? You know, can I find out anything about him? He's going to go to Google. And if you don't have a website, if you give him your company name, ABC Logistics, and he can't find it on Google, boom, you're done. You're done. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. You're out of the equation. You know, you're you're going to get the Heisman from there on out. It's going to be very rare that if somebody can't find you on Google, that they're ever going to do business with you because it's just everybody that's credible is on Google. The second thing is you're going to want to set up your company profile and your personal profile on LinkedIn because that's the other place that they're going to go to try to vet you. If they can't find you on LinkedIn and they can't find you on Google, I mean, that's a wrap, guys. I mean, it's over. So you got to have those fundamental platforms set up. Um, you know, as far as, you know, leveraging those moving forward, you know, blogging is kind of the slow boat to China these days, but it's still valuable because when someone hits your website, you know, they can, they can consume some of your content and it can help position you as an expert, you know, in your realm, in your niche. So it's still necessary, right? You still need to build content around your website, but it's going to take, it takes a long time to get optimized for Google to try to start giving you any love or giving you any traffic. So LinkedIn, will you'll probably see a lot more progress on LinkedIn pretty quickly. And what I would do on LinkedIn just initially would be, I would go out and join some groups that are specific to my niche, right? If I'm in the steel industry, if I'm in the produce industry, if I'm in the oil and gas industry, if I'm doing import exports, I would join some groups because now you're automatically kind of connected to the members in those groups, not a first level connection, but kind of a group level connection. So that's going to give you a good start. And then I would probably start posting content, right? I would start doing some outreach and building my network because the way the way LinkedIn works is it's kind of the, you know, there's the old Kevin Bacon, the six degrees of separation with Kevin Bacon, right? It's like, who knows, who knows, who knows, who, who knows who. So you've got to go out and start building a little bit of a network so you get that network effect. Because if you've got, think about it this way, if you've got 100 people that are your first level connections, and then they each have 100 people, and they each have 100 right. people, that multiplies up really fast, right? So you got to start yeah. building a little bit of a network. And I think content would be the way that you would differentiate yourself. Um, so those are a couple of steps that I would take if it if I was a brand new broker just looking to get started. Okay. So- as content, so say you're a freight broker, you open a freight broker mm -hmm. and yep. you have a LinkedIn profile. What kind of content yep. would you create? What would you post on there? Just like certain lanes that you run or certain, like what kind of content would you post? Yeah. Yeah. The most important thing is do not make it salesy. Do not make it pitchy. Do not make it, you know, look like you're desperate, right? Oh, I've got a load uh -huh. from A to B. Who's got a truck? It's not a load board. Don't post loads on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah. I mean, honestly. You know, don't go out there and say, hey, I'm the greatest freight broker in the world. If you guys need freight, uh, if you need help moving your freight, call me or click here or hit a, you know, reply in the comments. Nobody wants to see that, right? All you're doing is begging, yeah. right? That's what a lot of salespeople do. And unfortunately, it just doesn't work. The only people that respond to beggars are shippers that are desperate. And you know what happens when you find a desperate shipper, right? Either something something isn't right, right? So yeah. um, 
So I'd say um, content that I would post on LinkedIn, I mean, just some ideas. One of the things is, you know, you can talk about your experience. So let's say, for example, you know, like, like Bob, like you, you have a trucking company, right? So you yeah. own a trucking company. You could talk about your experiences related to trucking and it will directly translate into brokerage. The reason why is because who better knows what it takes to pick up and deliver a load on time in good condition than a truck driver? Nobody. Yeah. Yeah. Right? They're, they're the hands, you know, that are, that are wielding and making it all work. Right. So talking about stories and experiences that you have as a carrier will translate and, you know, that as long as it's not salesy and it's interesting, right. you know, and including some images there, right? Another way to do it is if, you know, if you have images of the, of a load that you're moving, those always do well, right? Especially yeah. if they're interesting or some, there's a story behind it, right? So what I like to tell people is facts tell, but stories sell, right? So whenever you can, whenever you can put a story into it or some background or some context to it, it's always going to do a lot better. If you just post an image, mm -hmm it's a lot harder because that image has to be really powerful, right? The advantage on yeah. LinkedIn is you can, you can kind of create a mic, little micro blog and then you can put an image or a video there. Um, I also like video. Obviously people love short form video these days. So video does really well, although people struggle with creating it sometimes because it's kind of nerve wracking. I get it. I'm sure you guys have all done videos and you know, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you're, you're used to doing these live, live recordings and stuff. So it's a lot easier for people like you or myself to do it, but new people video can be a little bit intimidating. Um, you know, there's other, when you first get started, you know, maybe what you do is you newsjack a little bit, right? And newsjacking is where you're going to kind of keep an eye on what's going on in your niche in your industry. Mm -hmm. Again, if you're in the produce niche or the steel niche or whatever niche you're in, you know, set a Google alert so that you get notified whenever anything new comes up relevant to that industry. And then all you can do is just kind of share that, but give it a hot take, right? Give your two yeah. cents on it. Give your perspective on it. Now, again, here's the problem where most people will run into with content marketing on LinkedIn. And that is, it's not going to go viral. Yeah. And what you have to understand is that's okay because it doesn't have to go viral. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Your your goal is yeah, this isn't YouTube Shorts, this isn't Instagram. You're not Kim Kardashian, it's not going to go viral. It's very rare. I know Paul's had some things that have went viral on LinkedIn, but but it's pretty rare for stuff to go viral, right? Yeah. But you don't here's the cool part. You don't need it to go viral in order to start developing that no like and trust with your audience that it takes to convert them into a prospect or a leader of sale. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot mm -hmm. of times, you know, I've had posts that have had three, four, five, six comments that have converted sales, that have converted oh, wow. those people into conversations and sales. And what you also have to understand is sometimes buyers are what I call lurkers. They're lurkers. And what I mean by that is they don't engage a lot, but they're yeah. watching. They're huh. kind of sitting back and they don't like to put themselves out there a lot. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they'll, you'll get an, you'll get a, a DM from them and they'll say, Hey, I've been watching your content for a while. Hey, I got a question. Wonder if you can help me out. Yep. But you never, they never engage with any of your content, but at the same time, all of a sudden they go to your profile and they send you a connection request or a message. Right. So, yeah, you know, I, I know we could do an entire masterclass on social selling and, and LinkedIn marketing, 
Um, I'm, I hope that this helps a few people, but again, no, I'm kind of talking sure. fast. Like great ideas. I'm just even listening to it. And it's, it's amazing. You know, it's good stuff that you're, you're saying this cause I didn't even think about this, you know, but, but it totally makes sense. What so, I like yeah. to do, here's the thing about me. Here's the one thing you're going to learn about me. I am just not very creative. I'm not. Huh. My daughter's super creative. My wife, super creative. I did not get that gene. So here's what I do. And this is what I think most people can relate to. Go on LinkedIn and find the type of content you that like? you enjoy, Yeah, that you think is compelling, that you think is interesting. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to be able to post that exact same type of content because it may not be relevant to your niche, right? Right. So, but what you can do is you can create a parallel right? You can create a parallel over into your niche. It's not going to be the same story. It's not going to be the same image, but you yeah. can take the same hook or you can take the, take the same concept right. and then you can start coming up with ideas for your niche. You know, I'm good at, I'm good at taking an idea and morphing it and making my own. I'm just not super creative when it comes up to, you know, coming up with some sort of a crazy viral video or image or whatever. Yeah. You know, I just, that that's not the talent I have. It's <laughs> funny that you say that because when I create memes, I follow all these like golf pages on Instagram, you know, and yeah. they, they create a lot of memes. Like they're, I, I enjoy their memes a lot. So sometimes I will literally like steal one of their memes, but they make it into my own. That's trucking related, you know? So that, that, that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah plagiarism is the greatest form that. of flattery. Yeah. Right. I well, mean, the, be, you know, the best part is steal. That's what Pablo Picasso says, right? Or said. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, as long as if you're directly taking someone, give them credit. But if they just inspired yeah. you with an idea, that's what it's exactly. about. Yeah. Right? There's nothing wrong yeah. with that. And I think some people struggle with that. They have a fear of, uh, of, of, you know, putting themselves out there because they don't want to seem a certain way. But, you know, I, in this day and age, you know, the people that think that freight brokers and trucking companies and the trucking industry is in general has to understand is there's a difference between sales and marketing. And that is something that most people don't really grasp. I think they understand the fundamentals of it, but they don't understand the importance of both, but they also don't hmm. understand how they intertwine. The transportation industry, particularly brokerage, is very sales oriented, outbound sales oriented. And that that's important. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. You have to have a process for doing outreach and following up and building a sales funnel. You have to do that. But you also, in this day and age, it's easier than ever to do the marketing side. We've talked about 50 ideas on this podcast of how to market your business on LinkedIn and through your website and, and all the different ways we've talked about that. And the cool part is, is most of that is free, right? Or inexpensive. Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, today is the best. I mean, it's never been easier in the world. And I've been an entrepreneur for 25 years since the internet has come around that it's never been as easy to get your name out there, to get your word out there, to build your brand. Yes, it's crowded, but you also have an opportunity that the people before us never had, right? The yeah. reason why paid advertising- for it, Then you can do it for sure. What? What's that? If you have the time for it, then you could do it. You have, you know, all you need is a cell phone and internet, and then you could, you, you could post on there and you could reach millions of people. Yeah. So. And everybody has the time. The problem is they can't overcome the fear, right? The fear yeah. of what everybody's going to think and what their family's going to think and what their friends are going to think and what some stranger's going to think. You know, I mean, I don't want to make this some woo-woo, you know, uh, 
motivational speech, but I mean, you know, the reality is, that's, you know, you've got no, it's a hundred percent true. That's why I kept my page. Actually, I didn't even tell anyone that I was running this page. I mean, I was creating memes. It wasn't like, it was nothing business. I, I just did it as a hobby, but I literally kept my page on the down low without telling anyone until I reached like 20,000 uh, followers on, on uh, social media. And then I like told people about it, but uh, in Dude, the beginning, memes I, are hot right now. Memes yeah. are hot right now. It, yeah. And memes aren't easy to do. They're it's time consuming to come up with memes. Like you yeah. said, you go and scroll through all these Instagram pages that you follow and you're trying to garner some inspiration. How many different, uh, you know, posts do you have to look at to find some inspiration for a meme? Exactly. Probably a lot. Exactly. Oh, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, but and memes it, are hot right now. Yeah. And for me, I think it was like, especially now that I'm like running a legit business, you know, that we have a trucking company, it's hard to do like two things at once because when i was just the driver because i used to drive back then and that's when i created the page it was so much easier because i'd be just driving i would have kind of the time to do it i would have ideas from me driving and, and posting stuff about it but now that i'm like sitting in the office and every time i get drained out from all this mm-hmm. stuff it's hard to create some kind of you know meme content but yeah yeah what i would tell you the have the hack that i would give you would be to um do what i call batching Okay. Uh So rather than saying, oh, I got to create a meme today. Oh, I got to create a meme today. Oh, I got to find an hour to create a meme. Here's what I would do. I would once a week, I would batch three hours, two hours, Uh whatever it is. And I would do as many memes as I could get done in that time, 10, Hmm. 5, 10, 15. But I would probably only do it once a week, but I would batch it. Yeah. Because it's easier to batch a two or three hour period of time at one time as long as you schedule it, put it in your schedule, yeah. then it is to try to find 15 minutes here and 30 minutes here and 45 minutes here and 10 minutes here. Because yeah, that continuity, you lose the momentum. And when you're in creative mode, the problem yeah. is, you know, you're breaking in and out of it and it's hard to regain that. So I find that batching content is one of the best ways to do it. Once I started doing that years ago, uh, content marketing became so much easier. I mean, yeah. I batch everything, whether it's content marketing or writing or whatever I'm doing, I try to batch everything, but, but that's just kind of a little hack that might help. Dennis, you're giving to... us some great ideas and some inspiration, you know, I feel yeah, like well, I'm that's, that's the goal. getting a lot of good ideas from this stuff. So. Well, good, Bob, so awesome. I've been telling you to pre-plan posts for months though, because that's I what I do. I pre-plan yeah. posts. I use Metrical. Dennis, what, do you use like a tool where you kind of like post content simultaneously on on sites or do you i don't i've tried it i've tried it i don't and here's why because and i could be completely wrong and social media sites are probably going to hate me for this but i believe personally that the sites know when you're using a third-party tool to post to them right they know that for sure and i personally think that you don't get the same sort of love from the network when you yeah. do that, use those type of tools. And that's just me personally. And the reason why is because they want you on the platform. So, okay. They want you on the platform. Yeah. So they'll, perm- it's just my two cents. So I, I never, I have tried some of the tools in the past years ago. I used to use Hootsuite and a couple of others, Okay, but I just didn't get the same sort of response when I did it organically. Sure. So I've just built a system around doing it organically. Got it. Got it. And to your point, I mean, I, I used to also have this mindset where posting yeah. is better on the actual site. But then yeah. I, I went, I, I started using metrical.com and I was sort of uh-huh. pre-planning. Yeah, I started pre-planning and it actually gives you like hot times. It tells you like when's a hot time to post. And I just pre-planned all my stuff. And 
what I realized, and I, I did learn this about a lot, what social media channels also like is having consistency and having also yes. uh, having often having posts often. And I have to say yeah. that once I actually did become consistent with it, and there was the same time, like I think it's 11 a.m. every there's a meme posted every day at 11 a.m. Central Time. Mm-hmm. My algorithm actually went, uh, worked in my favor because I've actually I really, love it. No, I did. An Maybe I'll. Yeah, maybe I'll go back and check it out because this was probably four or five years ago when I tested sure, it out sure. with with a couple of different tools. Um, and again, that was just my personal take on it. But you know, yeah. as as social media evolves, as technology evolves, I think the industry, I think they're going to realize that people are busy, and if they want content, original content to be created, yeah. they got to they got to they got to cater yeah. to the content creators, Especially and so they're like probably. You said that- Sure. Especially like you said, there's only a small amount of people actually making content. So they probably yes. want you to keep making the content because a lot of the people, the, they, you know, there's that meme where the guy is just sitting and he's just watching everybody post content. That's like most of the people on social media. They're just sitting there and scrolling yes. and watching yes. instead of making the content, you know. So for us, <laughs> but Paul, to your point, I think Instagram just changed their algorithm. Well, now where they actually do want to see like a more consistent where they want you to post like one reel each day or something like that. Because I feel like they've been kind of shadow banning me for a little bit now because I, I see some of my stuff like dropping. So I feel like I need to switch something and do maybe be more consistent and post yeah. once a day or something like that. Maybe I'll yeah. try that so out guys, too. I got to say, you know what I, you know what I'm excited about in this conversation and what I really I'm enjoying in the conversation is that this is not kind of the typical interview. I mean, I've done hundreds of interviews, okay, over the years yeah. for different things. And here's the thing. You guys are like, you're talking about marketing. And when you talk about transportation and logistics and freight brokerage, there's very few people that talk about marketing. Go look at content. It's always operational-based or yeah. you know, basic educational-based or it's sales-based. They never talk about marketing. It's so crazy that they don't, that people don't understand marketing when it comes to transportation because you have the greatest tool in the world, right? The internet. And most people yeah. are just sitting there with their head in the sands in the sand, just kind of ignoring it or being the endless scrolling guy. I mean, listen, I see people, listen, TikTok started as a music app for, for young kids. And now it's dance, one of the biggest, yeah. it's the biggest social media platform in the world. And people yeah. will tell you right now, Oh, you can't get shippers from TikTok. Bull crap! You absolutely, yeah. positively can. Now, yeah. TikTok is not my favorite place to post content. I do a little bit there, but I know for a fact that if you understand your audience and you understand the fundamentals on how to create content, you can find, connect, and engage with shippers on any social platform. I just choose LinkedIn because it's a very target-rich environment, and it's something I know and I'm comfortable with. And it's a, yeah. it's more of a B two B platform. But if I were going after cons- direct to consumer market, you know, um, you know, I, I would, I think TikTok would be yeah. one of the places I would go. So, uh, so yeah, so I, I really appreciate kind of the con the conversation centering more around marketing and a little bit of marketing innovation. And yeah, kinda, there because. Yeah, I feel like we just kind of like for me, whatever I find interesting, we just we just talk about it. We don't really have like a thing. So yeah. anytime like. And we're both in uh, in the, the social media platform. So it's definitely interesting, you know, to me and learn like from you, like there's a lot of ideas, you know, so it's, so it's interesting to see how everybody does it a little bit differently. Yeah, It's and funny. I'll tell you a funny story on LinkedIn. So um, a few years ago, I had a lot of interest people asking me to teach them my LinkedIn and social selling system. Uh-huh. So I I did a program back then 
this is probably four or five years ago. And I did a program back then. It was a, it was a program for LinkedIn marketing and social selling. And um, I did a post on LinkedIn and I started promoting it a little bit to kind of get some awareness out there. I had one post that I did on LinkedIn, one post that generated hundreds of inbound leads. Hundreds, hundreds of people came to the post and said, I want more info. I want more info. I want more info. Now, just imagine if you're listening to this today and you learn the fundamentals of content marketing and you build a network on LinkedIn, can you imagine if you had an inbound source of leads coming to you, asking you for information? Now, I'm not saying as a freight broker, you're going to get hundreds of leads a day or a hundred leads a post, but imagine if you had two or three or four or five inbound leads per week as a freight broker. Right. The conversation with an inbound lead is completely different than doing cold outreach, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you're doing cold outreach and cold calling and, and outbound selling, you know, you're dancing, right? I mean, you've got to be on your game and you got to be dancing, right? You got to, you have about five seconds to get their attention. And if you don't, you know, the game's over. But with inbound, they're coming to you. You're already positioned mm-hmm. as an authority, as an expert, mm-hmm. that someone wants information. So it changes the game. So just imagine figuring out a way using some of the ideas that that we've been talking about today and leveraging that to grow your business. And again, it doesn't have to go viral, but you guys have mentioned it a couple of times. It's about consistency and it's about the long game, right? If you can get through the, if you can get through those posts, that get zero engagement or one like, and you can keep going, you'll be fine because eventually it'll catch up with itself. Totally. Dennis. And uh, to your point, uh, like so most of my sponsors customers are all from mm-hmm. inbound almost all of them are from inbound and sell- and like once they come to you the selling is almost done because it's like okay just send me what, what what does it look like the sponsorship and it's like okay like so i, I have to say that right. like it's it's creating content uh is a lifesaver and it's if you focus on creating content uh and creating good content because like for me, like I actually have to give credit to Bob for giving me inspiration to start my Instagram page because I've been following Bob when I was a freight broker. Bob was everyone. You're welcome, Paul. Everyone would would be laughing at Bob's <laughs> memes in my office. We had like there was like twenty brokers in one room, and we all be opening up Bob's memes and just laughing. So, and then I, I started creating content more directly related uh, with freight brokerage, and I you know I always like I saw the the content that was out there, and it was it was really dry, uh, and yeah. it, there was like all everything you saw was just like dry, but it's like, why can't you make this fun and interesting? Because it's actually a really great industry to be a part of. There's a lot of interesting stuff that, that goes into play into the logistics industry. It's, you know, there's there's economics, there's there's business, sales, marketing. And it's like when I when I had this concept for freight caviar, it's like to take maybe like a little bit of like bar stool sports, but more like morning brew and make it more freight freight broker niche related. And I I honestly have to say that if if you're creating content, I, I don't know anyone that's created content and regretted it uh, because it's always led to sales. It's always led to uh, meeting great people. And, you know, it's, that's how we met Dennis. Yeah, 100%. Through, through content, so, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what's one of the things that's kind of on my roadmap moving forward, right? So I created Freight Burger Bootcamp down at, back in 2009. That's the startup program. Had over 10,000 students go through that. People could still enroll in that today at FreightBurgerBootcamp.com. But about almost two years ago now, I created what's called my Freight Broker Sales Accelerator, which is which is 
an advanced freight broker sales training program. It's not just a sales training program like you can buy or a book on sales training. It's actually catered specific to the, to the freight brokerage industry. And so I created the Freight Broker Sales Accelerator. And that's where I took everything I know about sales and a proven sales system. And I put that into a program, right? So that's done really, really well. I think we've got over 600 students that have went through that just in the last year or so. But here's the thing, the roadmap going forward, and we're talking about marketing, I want to create an entire program for for freight brokers directly related back on how to leverage marketing to build your brokerage. But it's catered specifically to the freight brokerage business, right? Much like I did with sales. So that's something that's on the roadmap because I think that this conversation doesn't happen enough. And I think that people don't have, a, you know, they don't know where to go in the trucking industry to do that. Yeah. And so I want to give them a resource. And, you know, you guys are uh, this conversation and I'm sure a lot of other conversations and your content itself has probably inspired a lot of people to start thinking in different terms about marketing their business, not just selling. And don't get me wrong. You're not going to be able to just get on LinkedIn and and post content and th- as a startup and think that you're going to grow your brokerage or get cash flow positive right away. That's not going to happen. But they both have to happen simultaneously. So you're going to have to do outbound sales, but you also need to think about marketing, right? Because yeah. that marketing yeah. component, I'm a big believer in in differentiating yourself and positioning yourself as more of an expert or a resource. So content does that, right? You know, the thing that you guys are doing with the podcast, any freight broker out there right now could start a podcast, come up with an idea about a podcast, something that's compelling to their niche and could be, and could publish their first episode tomorrow Yeah, on a podcast for literally next to nothing. Mm-hmm. Podcasting is a great way to create content, right? You guys are doing it. I have a podcast, Freight Broker Bootcamp yeah. Podcast. You know, I launched that a couple of years ago. I love the I love podcasting, right? Whether it's on video yeah. or just audio, but it's never been easier to to market your business than it is today with the tools that we have. I mean, we're spoiled. I'm I'm a little bit envious because I remember back when I first started as an entrepreneur back in 1994, none of these tools existed. Back then it was yeah. hard. It was hard, man. Nobody knew who you were. If you weren't out pressing the flash, you weren't making sales. It was tough. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, high tech back then is when you used to fax blast people. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you, you, you'd send a fax out to a hundred or 200 people a day. And you were like, just hoping that somebody would, you know, you'd get somebody's attention. That's so funny. And, and it was, it was miserable. I mean, I didn't even know did that it ever said. work? <laughs> ah man, that, it was a true numbers game, but occasionally you you know you'd stumble you across a sale, yeah, yeah. And depending upon the type of product you were selling, as long as it had a good lifetime value, you know, and there was a good revenue stream and it was recurring, it was probably worth it. But I mean, back then it was terrible. Now it's you know, this tool right here has more more power in it to create content than than any tool that existed back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was crazy. So so Dennis, I'm just uh, curious because I know we started the conversation with you telling us how you sold the brokerage. And yeah. I kind of wanted to touch on that again, where sure. you you had the end in mind where you were like, I, I want to sell my business from the get-go. You kind of like were thinking about yep. it. Can you tell us kind of like how you structured your business to be able to sell it? Because obviously you had to take yourself out of it. You had to yep. uh, work on the business, not in the business. Um, like just... 
Could you give us some kind of tips on how Bob and I could do that? Like for me running freight caviar and Bob running a trucking company, how we could get ourselves out of yeah. the of a business. Yeah. I'm going to give you two or three things, right? One is hire people that are smarter than you. You hear that from a lot of people these days, but most entrepreneurs will avoid hiring someone that's smarter than them or better than them out of ego or out of fear, yeah. right? So you need to hire smart people, find people that are smarter than you, better than you at whatever job they're in, right? So me personally, I do not like the financial side of the business. I do not like counting beans. I do not like doing financials. I don't like that at all. I always outsource that. It's either insourced to someone who's you know, who's highly educated and really good at it, or I outsource it, right? So, so find mm -hmm. somebody that's better than you and don't hesitate hiring really smart people out of fear or ego, right? You're going to have to build a team around you. And when you first start, and it's just you as a startup, it's just you standing there alone with a phone and a, and a cell phone, you know, and a computer, uh, you know, trying to rustle up some revenue and some sales, but eventually you're going to hire some people and you're going to build a team. So you need to build a leadership team, and that leadership team, you need to empower them, right? I, I made a lot of mistakes in this realm in my career as an entrepreneur. And a lot of them came back to those two things that I talked to you about, fear of losing control and ego, right? And so I, in the brokerage business, I finally learned that you need to build the team, you need to empower them, and you need to have an entire team around you because you can't do it on your own, Right. Um, right. You can't build a you can't build a big business on your own. Can you build a million dollar freight brokerage just as a solo broker? Sure. Can you build a five million dollar brokerage with just a few people that are working dispatch and covering the loads and and doing that? Sure. But you'll never build a fifty million dollar business without a real team. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. And so, building a team. The other thing I would tell you when you're looking to position it for the sale, one of the things I had. Early on, there was a there was kind of a, a, a mantra was I really wanted to diversify my revenue. One of the mistakes I see a lot of brokers making and entrepreneurs in general is they'll have two or three or four customers that control 80% of their revenue, right? Yeah. So, you know, they're very leveraged into those two or three customers. And so what happens is when a buyer comes in and looks at that, it creates a lot of fear and anxiety. It's the old what if. What if they lose this yeah. big customer and they lose 50% of their revenue? All of a sudden, you know, their math equation goes out the window and it's not going to be very profitable. So what I did is I took more of the mutual fund approach. And what I mean by that is rather than buying an individual stock like an Apple, you know, you can buy a mutual fund that owns Apple and Microsoft and Google and, and Meta and all these different stocks. So you want to diversify your customer base. And I'm happy to say that when I sold my brokerage back in 2016, I don't have the exact number, but I think... The numbers were the, the largest customer we had did less than 8% of our total revenue. Oh, well, that's oh, good. So, yeah. so diversifying that revenue de-risks your business, not only for you, but for a potential buyer, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, and then, you know, so building a team, uh, de-risking the business, um, the financial side of it, you got to have your financials tight. Make sure that you're, if you're looking to sell this thing in a year or two or three or five or 10 years down the road, make sure that your financials oh, are tight. he's talking to you right now. Did you finally hire an accountant? Me? I mean, I, I have yeah. an outsource accountant lady, but uh, I definitely, I'm looking to, to bring on some salespeople, content creators, all that stuff. So I, I just finished reading uh, Built to Sell by John Warlow like last week. Yep. I've, been, I've been studying that, uh, but 
I, I love the leadership. Yeah, I think aspect. that they'll give you some great, I mean, built to sell will give you some good frameworks. I think you're on the right track. I mean, the key is, Paul, is like we all have done, right? We've all learned things and then not deployed them, right? I mean, oh, I've yeah. done it. I do it still to this day, right? You yeah. got a great idea and for whatever reason, it gets thrown on the back burner. If you're serious about positioning your business for sale down the road, then, you know, it's that old adage, when's the best time to plant a tree? 20 years ago, right? When's the no. next best time? Today, right? Yep. And yeah. you got to, yep. so you got to start doing that because uh, it's going to, you know, it might take you three, four or five years before you're in a position to do that. But yeah. when you're ready, you can pull the trigger, right? And so totally. the yeah. advantage, if you do these things in advance and you put those as a part of your part of your routine and part of your process and a part of your business plan, um, when the opportunity strikes, when a strategic buyer comes to you and really wants your business, um, you'll be in a great position because you're going to be able to just literally pull out the files, bing, bang, boom, give them the audited financials, give them everything they're asking for. And all of a sudden they're going to be like, wow, this guy runs a tight ship. Yeah, and he's yeah. got his, you know, because most buyer, most sellers, when they, when a buyer comes to them, they're, they're like, oh, well, yeah, it's going to take us three months to put together the financials. And they're like, nah, no, nah, we're not interested in you because we know your financials are a mess already. Yeah. yeah. Totally. So those yeah. are a few things. I think de-risking, hiring really strong people around you and building a real team. And then um, and then the financial side of it, those are probably be three really good components. Oh, then documenting, document all of your processes, anything that touches revenue, anything that's associated with revenue in any way, shape or form, you need to document those processes, including how that revenue comes to play. Is it from your content marketing and how that content is created and posted and generates revenue? Is it from your sales efforts? Is it from whatever, wherever it's from? If you're a freight broker, documenting that sales process of how you're generating the leads, how the sales process works, how they do pricing, documenting the processes on anything that has, that's revenue related and putting them in like an SOP, right? Like a standard operating procedure where if somebody asked you, so tell me about your sales process, you could hand them that document and it will document and walk them through that entire process. And they're going to be like, oh my God, this guy's on it, right? He knows exactly yeah. what he's doing. So those SOPs will also come in handy when you're hiring people, training people, right? So those yeah. types of SOPs for anything that touches revenue will be really valuable to you. Definitely. I love it. That's awesome. So our, our time is kind of coming to an end, but I had, uh, I mean, if you want to kind of touch base on this, I don't know if you wanted to do this in the podcast or not, but for me, it's very interesting because I see you have the freight broker boot camp. Can you yeah. tell us a little bit about, I guess, not the actual boot camp, but the business behind it, like how it yeah. works? Because I was actually thinking of creating, I have a big platform, right? And everybody, I dispatch, I, dis I dispatch yeah. trucks too. And everybody's sure. interested in like, you know, dispatch and how dispatching works. And I actually yeah. thought about creating a course just for dispatching. So I'm kind of yeah. interested if you don't mind just talking about, you know, how like the business side of boot camp and is it worth creating something like that? I mean, obviously it's worth creating because you're helping out thousands of people, right? That they're learning something. And I mean, we're yeah. learning from you just even being on this podcast. So I'm hundred percent sure that your boot camp is worth all the money. You know, I might even I might even join it. But I'm just kind of curious <laughs> in the business side of it. Yeah. So you know online education is a huge industry and it just continues to grow. When people want to learn something, they go online. They're going to start yeah. on YouTube or they're going to go to maybe TikTok and they're going to search. But a lot of times that's they still that doesn't scratch the itch, right? It doesn't fill, yeah. it doesn't dot all the I's and cross the T's. 
but it's kind of, it's gotten them to the point where they're like, listen, I think I really want to go for this, whether it be dispatching or freight brokerage or whatever it is you're trying to learn. And that's when they'll go out and they'll search for a course or a program or a coach or a mentor or someone like that. So I think the online education space is, is an incredible space to be in. Um, you know, the, the some of the challenges associated with the space are, of course, creating content, right? We've been talking about that for a while. Yeah. Courses are content oriented. They're either, they're usually digital in the form of some sort of uh, articles or um, playbooks or frameworks, or they're video driven, which is what a lot of content is these days. So where a lot of people get hung up is they'll say, I've heard this so many times. They'll be like, oh, Dennis, I've got this idea for a course and it's X, Y, and Z. And I'll go, so how long have you been thinking about this? They're like, well, it's been about four or five years. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, what are you doing, dude? Four or five yeah. years, what are you sitting on? You could have tested the thing in the next two weeks and found out whether it was legit or not, right? Huh. Or whether there was any yeah. whether there was any opportunity there or not. And and it would have been off your mind, or maybe you would have had to iterate or go in a different direction. So, you know, I my favorite way to do a course is this, and a lot of people might, you know, question this, but my favorite way to do the course is to promote and sell the course before I ever even create the course. So when I did freight broker, so when I did freight broker sales accelerator, when I did my freight broker sales accelerator, which is my sales training program specific to freight brokers, right? Uh When I did that program, I promoted it and sold it before I ever created it. And when I created it, I created it live with all the people that bought it. So what I did was people have been asking me for a freight broker sales training for years. I finally said, listen, all right, enough's enough. I'm going to do it. I started posting about it. I said, if you guys are interested, let me know. Um, This is what I'm going to do. And then I got to the point where I'm like, all right, here it goes, guys. If you guys are serious, put your money where your mouth is. And I put together an enrollment form. They could buy the program. I explained. I knew the framework of what it was going to be, but I hadn't created it yet. And I think I had about 50 people that bought that program when we first started. And I offered it at a really low discounted price because it was basically a beta. These guys were riding with me. And they were saying, yeah. hey, listen, we trust you. We know you'll do a good job. You'll over-deliver. And so then we did the course and I did it live, right? It was a five-week live program once a week for like an hour or two in a, in a video format. And then the the reviews were amazing. I think we got like an, I, I did a uh, exit survey for everybody who took that program. And out of the first 50 people, the people that completed the survey, I think the numbers don't don't mistake misquote me here, but I think the average one out of ten rating was like a nine point four out of ten. Oh, wow. So I yeah. said, "Oh, we got something right." They love the content; it's valuable, it's interesting. Let's dive into this. So then I took that content and I packaged it up into an online course format where they it was a kind of an on demand self serve model, and uh-huh. then that became the fundamental and the framework and the backbone backbone of of the freight broker sales accelerator program. And then now that I can, you know, I have a bunch of different versions. I have the live version where people can actually get coached by me. And I have the self-serve version where people can just kind of do it on their own, on their own. As a matter of fact, I just closed out um, the newest cohort of my live coaching program today. Actually it happened at 1159 last night. So I usually limit the live coaching program to about a hundred people. Um, and so that sold out, you know, a little bit before midnight last night. So, so yeah, I love the online education business. 
Um, I think it's uh, an amazing business. And I think if you have knowledge like you about dispatch or about trucking or about some specific niche, um, it's sellable. Now, yeah, how big is your audience and how much can you charge? What's the value exchange? That's something you're yeah. going to have to figure out from a pricing perspective. But the advantage you have is you've already got the audience. The hardest yeah. part about, about building an education business isn't the content. It's the audience. Yeah. Right? Because it's that old adage, right? If a tree falls in the wood and nobody hears it, did it ever exist? Right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, I see a lot of people who who want to start a course, but they don't have an audience. And, and now you're working it in reverse. Yeah. Right? So you're now you're out there. You're like, oh. Yeah, you put some information out there and everybody's like, it's like crickets, right? You might have the greatest thing in the world, but if nobody hears about it, you know, you're the yeah. best kept secret in the world. Yeah. So yeah. you have a huge advantage. Um, you know, Paul has a huge advantage because you've got an audience. Anybody who has even a, and you don't need, you know, 50,000 people on YouTube to start a course. If you've got hundreds of people that are interested in hearing what you have to say, you have more than enough to get started. Yeah. Yeah. True. Love it. Does that help? No, for sure. For sure. It definitely <laughs> did. I'm definitely going to look into it because I was thinking of doing it. And uh, like you said, you're, you're giving a great idea where it's like, well, why didn't you do it yet? You know, let's see if people are even interested. You could have tried it out and see if people are interested in the next. Absolutely. Week so, yeah. yeah, absolutely. And what I like about it is it allow for someone like you who's in the service business, it allows you to diversify your revenue. Right. Yeah. And you can have an impact in another way. See, here's the thing that most people don't understand. I do freight broker boot camp. I, now, don't get me wrong; it's highly profitable, and and I always find a place for that money. Right? That place always has that money. Always has some place yeah. to go. Right? Mm -hmm. I have yeah. daughters. Uh, you know, I have hobbies. I have all those things. But here's the thing: the coolest part about freight broker boot camp that I didn't get as much in the freight brokerage business is the impact. I've had students of freight broker boot camp and freight broker sales accelerator that are now doing eight figures in sales. Oh, wow. I have students that are doing a million and a half a month as freight brokers, and they started with zero experience. Okay. Yeah. So that type of impact, I get Christmas cards, I get gifts, I get all kinds of stuff from people that I've had an impact where I've helped them. And that's the coolest part about the education side of the business where it's it's been kind of like a... Uh, I didn't realize it coming in that it was going to have that same sort of impact. And for me, you know, I built that business. I was really fortunate to build the brokerage and sell it, you know, and kind of have that, you know, security. But the thing is, is that, um, you know, when you start getting into, I'm 53 years old, right? When you start, when you're a little bit older entrepreneur, you start thinking about, you know, a little bit more about legacy. And I think my legacy besides my kids and my family will be the impact that I've been able to have on the logistics and transportation industry and the families that are in it. I mean, my goal by the time that I die, I've helped a thousand, right? A minimum of a thousand uh, businesses generate over a million dollars in revenue. Now that's impact, right? Multiply yeah. a thousand times a million. What is that? A yeah. billion? Yeah. I've been able to have a billion dollars a year in annual impact. That's pretty cool, yeah. right? Oh, that's yeah, sure. that's some cool stuff, right? That's the stuff I kind of get chills about because that's the sort of impact that you know that you can have as an educator if you've got good content and it's valuable and uh you know and um yeah that's why the online education business is so so uh popular. Well, 
if I decide to do, I'm going to reach out to you. You can help yeah. me out. <laughs> we'll of course. Learn it together. Of course. No, this was yeah. great, Dennis. This was a lot of information. I learned a lot. And I feel like we got to do a part two and just dive in even deeper into everything. But of I got it. Yeah, I, I got to go because I got the dispatch trucks. I've had like five missed calls already from drivers. So um, this was a great conversation. If anybody wanted to reach you, uh, reach out to you, where can they find you? What's the best uh, way to... To find you, I guess. I think on if media. people are curious about me, the two places I would send them would be YouTube and LinkedIn, right? So if you want to check me out on YouTube, you can go to freightbrokerbootcamp.com forward slash YouTube. It'll direct you over to the channel. Um, or you can just search Freightbroker Bootcamp. You'll see my bald, shiny head. And mm -hmm. uh, I usually stand out. And then and or LinkedIn, you can go on LinkedIn and find me. Um, just search Dennis Brown Freightbroker or slash ask Dennis Brown. So those would be the two places that I would think that most people would be able to start having a conversation with me and reach out. If you guys have questions, anybody who's listening, reach out on one of those channels. I'll be more than happy to help. Awesome. Thank you very much. Thanks that for is, coming on. And thanks for coming on. Great. Yeah. You great guys time. are awesome. Thank you so much. I, and I love the memes and I love the content and Paul, you're doing a great job. I'm happy to see that, that somebody's taken that morning brew concept uh, in the trucking and log logistics space. I think you're going to blow up. So congrats. Yeah. Thanks for sure. Appreciate it. Awesome.